I'm thankful uh, for any opportunity to open the Word of God, to preach the Word of God, to proclaim the Word of God, and even the opportunity just to hold the Word of God. It's amazing. I think about down through the ages and down through the years, and even uh, the churches that are uh, written in the Word of God, they just had portions and pieces, and I have the entirety in my hand. What an amazing privilege that we have. Uh, in the nursery, whenever I was a little baby, um, long, long time ago, uh, I began learning a verse and began being taught a verse by the nursery workers. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loved Chuck Nicholson. God loved us. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Praise the Lord for that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that the love of God constrains me. As a Christian, we now rejoice in the love that he gives for us because, well, it's because I love him. That's why we follow and we serve him. An amazing truth. God loves you this morning. I'm thankful for that. Thankful that that love still flows. It was true 2,000 years ago, and it's true this morning. Uh, this, tonight we're going to be looking, and I'll be talking a little bit about what God's doing in Bemidji. And uh, I'm thankful. God has been doing a work, and he's been dealing with hearts and dealing with people. And uh, I'm thankful for all he has been doing. But tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about that, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, there's, I was praying about exactly what to have uh, preached for today and uh, what God would lay on my heart. And in the middle of praying about it, God laid on my heart the best sermon is going to be tonight's. So if you came this morning, you're like, well, that's not very good. That's because tonight's is the better one. So you want to be here tonight uh, for the service and uh, make sure we're here for that. But uh, if you have your Bibles, um, if you can open them with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts 13 this morning. I am thankful for Brother Marshall, the encouragement, the blessing that your pastor is. And um, uh, I'm thankful that he's just there. He's there for me. And uh, he loves and cares about us. And I'm so thankful for it. And thankful he cares about even the church here. If you're able to stand, I invite you to stand with me here in Acts chapter 13. As soon as you found your spot there. Acts chapter 13. We'll begin reading in verse number 42. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. And when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came, almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. And when the Jews saw the multitude... They were filled with envy. Let me read that again. But when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken of by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. And Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken unto you, but seeing ye put it from you and judge, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles." For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and they glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them out of their coast. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them, and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy, 
and with the Holy Ghost. Please join me as we pray. Lord, I'm so very thankful. Thankful for your word. I'm thankful that you've given us your word that gives us life. It gives us direction. It gives us clarity. I'm thankful that you give us, yes, you give us the stars in the sky to have a revelation that you are there and that you exist. But then in Psalm 119, it says that your testimonies of the word, Lord, are sure, making wise the simple. Lord, dear God, that you've given us your word so that we can actually know you personally. Lord, I pray that there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their Savior. They don't know you personally. Lord, I pray that they won't leave here today without knowing and trusting you. Lord, I'm so thankful for Riverside Baptist Church. I'm so thankful for the people that are here. I do pray that you will um, use your word to speak to us and to challenge us. Lord, I do pray that you'll be with uh, Northwoods Baptist Church this morning. and Brother Levi, Lord, once again, I love you. I'm so thankful for all that you've done. We ask that you'll please bless challenge and speak to us this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. In the beginning of Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas, and they had a young man with them whose name was John Mark, and um, I keep referring to them, or I was referring to them as PB and J, and because you got Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark, they all go together. Uh, however, John Mark left, and now it's just P and B, but they're, they're traveling, and as they're going, they, they left to Antioch, and uh, where they were sent out of, which once again, missionaries need to be sent out of a church, and they were sent out of Antioch. And as they left, they, they went down and they traveled to the island of Crete. I'm going to try to do this backwards so you can see. They, they left Antioch and they went to the Isle of Crete. They preached there. God did a great work. And you can read about that in the beginning of Acts chapter 13. Then they left there and they went to Antioch of Pisidia. And when they got there, they did what they normally do when they come into a town. They went to the synagogue. They went to where the Jews were meeting. And where they came to the place where the Jews were meeting, the Jewish rabbi in this particular synagogue did something very dangerous. He looked to Paul and asked a Baptist preacher, if you have anything to say, say it. And uh, he stood up and he preached. And he proclaimed to them. And he preached a very simple, he preached a three-point outline. Each point of the outline, uh, he starts off and through it, he, he reminds them who he's talking to. He, he says there in verse 16, he says in verse uh, 16, he says, um, oh, he stood up and beckoned them with his hand. He said, men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. So he talks to the men of Israel and those that fear God. And he has a three-point, very simple outline. The first is this, that God would send the Messiah through the nation of Israel that the Messiah would come to the nation of Israel. And they would say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, the Messiah is going to come to the nation of Israel. It is the fulfillment of all of the prophecies and all of the pictures of the Old Testament. The Messiah would come. And they were looking for the coming Messiah. They were excited about the coming Messiah. And so with it, the Messiah would come. Isn't that great news? The Messiah is going to come through Israel? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good stuff. He's going to come through Israel. And then he went on to tell them, uh, beginning in verse number 26, that Israel took that Messiah that had come, the Lord Jesus Christ, they rejected him, they killed him, they put him to death, and that he rose again the third day. Wow, that's what he presented to them. They presented him that the nation of Israel had rejected that Messiah. He died, he was buried, and that he rose again. He preached to them the gospel is what he preached to them. He died for their sins, he was buried, and then he rose again. And he told them about what had taken place, and then he reminded them of the prophecies that the Messiah would come and he would die for their sins. He reminded them of the prophecies that the body of the Messiah wouldn't see corruption there from David. He reminds them of what has just taken place, and he preaches to them out of the Old Testament, out of their scriptures. By the way, that's where preaching needs to come from. 
We're not here, you're not here to hear my opinion because my opinion is not all that impressive. We're here to hear the Word of God. Um, so, in my opinion, you don't pronounce Minnesota, Minnesota. That's not how you pronounce it. It's one of the top ten countries in the United States, okay? <laughs> anyway, um, then he continued, and he gets to my favorite part of the sermon. My favorite part, look at verse 38. Oh, listen to this. This is good stuff. He gets to the, the meat of the message. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, he's not saying through this man Paul, he's not saying through this man Barnabas, he's not saying through this man the rabbi that is there, he's just preached to them Jesus Christ. And he says, through this man, oh, this is good, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And that by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. He says, men and brethren, people that just heard about this Messiah, maybe you heard that the Messiah was coming and you've been looking for the promises and you've been anticipating the promises coming. He has come. He died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again. And now through this man, Jewish people that are in the synagogue, Forgiveness of sins is available to those that believe on him. <clears throat> okay, I don't know why that's so exciting. He was talking to a synagogue over 2,000 years ago. Because it's the exact same message that needs to be preached here. Wow, what a truth. Man, that's good. Even now, he preached, if they will believe on him, the Lord Jesus, they can receive the forgiveness of sins. In this congregation the group there that is there in a synagogue, you would have had the Jewish people that were there. It was a Jewish synagogue, obviously, the Jewish people. Like I said, my logic is not all that deep. Um, you had Jewish people in the synagogue. You would also have proselytes. The Jewish people were there because they had believed the uh, word of God. They believed the scriptures or they were trying to follow the law. And you had the, the law of God that God laid out. And then there were some uh, 613 different commandments that the Pharisees had laid out that needed to be followed. And as you followed these rules, you would, and you looked forward to it, you would somehow obtain justification by following laws. How many rules did God give Adam and Eve in the garden? One. I'm not trying to be smart aleck here, but if Adam and Eve, who were created perfect and holy in their creation, could not follow one law, how in the world were these Jews going to follow 10, more or less, 613? It's impossible. So with that being said, they were there, and then there were the proselytes. The proselytes were these people who feared God. They had heard about the God of Israel. They had heard about his might. They had heard about his actions. They had heard about what he's done, and they wanted to know more, and they wanted to know how they could be just with this God who, well, he's a God that doesn't deal kindly with sin. He hates sin. He deals with it. So with that, um, the proselytes are there. That would be the men that fear God that he's talking to that are there. So, and then also you would have uh, Paul and Barnabas that was there and anyone else that was in their company. So with that being said, as he's pointing out, um, as he points out, there are going to be, in verse number 42, he points out, um, verse 41, Behold ye despisers, and wonder, and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye on no wise shall believe, though a man declare it unto you. In Habakkuk chapter 1 is what he's quoting there. And what he is saying is, 
Um, some of the people that are hearing the message of the word of God, they're going to reject it. That's what he's saying. He is saying that not everybody that you tell are going to, you're going to be saved. I go back to even us. I would argue, that, or would, well, I would surmise that the majority of the people in here did not get saved the first time they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. The majority of people that are saved in here, the first time they heard it didn't get saved. They heard it time after time after time, and I'm so thankful for God's long-suffering and his patience. I'm so thankful for his faithfulness to bring it time and time again. But here he was just, he was letting them know that they were not going to believe, they would reject. So with this, we now see the Jews and the, the service is over, and we jump right into where our text begins here in verse number 42. So the service is over, the amens have been said, everyone begins to leave the synagogue, and it says in verse 42, when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue. Now there's lots of commentaries that, that do a whole bunch of things. Some of them say, well, they left angry in the middle of his sermon. It doesn't say that there in the text. Well, they left frustrated and they were mad at what he was saying. That's nowhere in the text. They left. So the Jews were gone, but the Gentiles stayed around to talk to Paul. Well, who were the Gentiles? The proselytes. They heard what was said. They stayed around to talk to Paul. And what they asked him, it's pretty amazing. They said, Paul, we've heard something brand new. You sat on the front row. That's a dangerous place to sit right there in the corner. But he said, uh, Paul, he said, um, uh, so, Paul, um, we've heard what you've said. My family needs to hear this. Will you come back and say this again next week? Will you come back the next Sabbath and share this again? Because I have neighbors, I have coworkers, I have loved ones, I have people that I know in the market, the people that are around me, they need this. Will you preach this same thing here in the synagogue next week? And Paul says, absolutely. Well, it's not there, but he does. Um, so with that, you have Paul now making the decision to, to do what they're supposed to do, and they left. And I love what happens in verse 43. The congregation left, they broke up, and then the Jews and the religious proselytes they followed Paul and Barnabas. They looked them up. You know what they were doing? They were wanting to ask questions and sit down and learn about what he was talking about. Notice who it is. It's the Jews and the proselytes that are asking this. So I'm just going to ask, have the Jews rejected his message to this point? Have they rejected the message to this point? If they're coming to ask questions and wanting to learn more, have they rejected the message? No. They're wanting to know more. They're, teach us more. Come. And they spent the week telling them and explaining them from scriptures, showing them what the word of God says about the Messiah that would come and how that Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of the word of God and how that Jesus was born, in fact, God and how that he lived a perfect sinless life and he died for sins. He, he shared with them Isaiah chapter 53 and talks about how that all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone into our own way and he has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He, he, he told them and they, they shared with them how that Jesus fulfilled the prophecies and they encouraged them to continue in the grace of God, to continue to follow and to serve and to know the Lord. And then the next Sabbath day came around. The next Sabbath day came around, the synagogue look like it was never and has never looked like before. They come to the next synagogue, they come to the next Sabbath day, come to the synagogue and someone is sitting in their seat. What do you mean? The entire synagogue is full of Gentiles. Wow. I believe whenever we were here, um, there was uh, one of the ladies retreats and we had over like 500 chairs in this room. And it was like packed in like sardines. And yeah, I was going to say it smelled like sardines, but I'm not going to go there. But 
were packed in like sardines. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but um, from what I remember of this building, that that wall can be knocked out, that wall can be knocked out, that wall can be knocked out, and the auditorium can actually expand into the lobby structurally. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. It's pretty cool. If you came to church and pastor's talking about, Pastor Marshall's talking about knocking out walls because of all the visitors, that would be an amazing thing. If Brother Joe's running around trying to figure out, how am I going to get this to stream to the chapel? How am I going to stream this up to the teen class? How am I going to get these junior church kids outside in the yard so that we can go ahead and have junior church set up and the gym set up for people? That'd be a great problem to have. And they came in, and as they came into the synagogue, there were Gentiles everywhere. Who do you think invited these Gentiles? The other proselytes. The ones who had heard what he was saying. This to the Jews should have been the best news they have ever heard. The promises are fulfilled. They're fulfilled in Jesus Christ. This forgiveness and this justification is available through belief in him. They should have been, oh, hallelujah. What we've been looking for, what we've been living, what we have been preaching, it's all fulfilled. Man, that's good stuff. They should have been excited about what was going on. They should have been looking forward to it. But notice what happens. I got to skip a whole bunch of my notes. It should have been amazing news, but there's a problem. Look down at verse, we'll just set my notes aside and we'll move on. Verse number 44, and the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. What if the whole city of St. Joseph showed up here to hear the word of God? Praise the Lord. That's exactly right. What if, what if you'd have to stand up during service? It helped us stay awake sometimes, but moving on. And when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy. Were the Jews filled with envy because of the message that was preached? Yes or no? Envy. Envy. Envy is uh, envious, contentious. It's a rivalry. It's a jealousy. It's to contend, to give angry debate or quarrelsome perverse. It's, it springs up from pride. It's pride that's mortified because you want what someone else has or someone else has done. They saw the people and they were lifted up in pride, wanting the multitudes to be coming to them. For them, it wasn't about the message that was being said but rather about the fact that people weren't listening to them. And they were envious. Notice their response. Pride is driven. Pride is what drives a person to be filled with envy. And they, filled with envy, spake against those things which were spoken of by Paul. Notice they were envious, not because they scripturally disagreed with the message, but because they wanted the multitude to follow them. They wanted people to see how good they were. Even though they acted like their quarrel was against the words of Paul, the problem was things weren't working out the way they thought they should be working out and they thought they should be doing better. 
In Sunday school, we talked about contentment. They didn't have contentment, and they didn't have contentment in the Lord. So they were lifted up in pride and envy. Even though they acted like their problem was with Paul's message and with what Paul's words were and with what Paul was saying, the problem was not with what Paul was saying or doing at all, but rather what God was doing in bringing salvation to people. Wow. In envy, they spoke against the things that Paul had said. If Paul would have got up there and said, wow, this is amazing wood pulpit, they would say. You're right, that is a wood pulpit, but that's a red oak pulpit that happens to be stained with a um, golden oak color. I think that's right. That's a red oak pulpit that's stained with a golden oak color. So it's not just a wood pulpit, it is a golden oak pulpit. So take that. And they were contending with everything that Paul said. Paul would say, good morning, it's a wonderful day outside. And they'd be like, it's not a wonderful day outside. In fact, I stepped in a mud puddle. That makes it a bad day. They were contending with everything he said. Like, well, did it stop with just the petty stuff? No. They began to contend with the words and the message he was saying. Notice the rest of this verse. They spoke against those things which are spoken of by Paul. Contradicting and blaspheming. They contradicted the word of God. They were arguing against the word of God. You know why they were able to argue against the word of God? Because their contention was never about the word of God. It was about their pride and their envy. What part were they disagreeing with? Israel had been chosen by God to bring the Messiah? No. The fact that Jesus was born, that he lived, that he died, and Israel rejected him? Well, no, this is common knowledge and common fact. Was it because even now if the Jews could believe on him, they can receive the forgiveness of sins? No, this is exactly what was mentioned in Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. In envy, they went so far as to blaspheme the word of God. They began to um, say things that were blasphemous against what God's word said, uh, full of um, indignity, uh, full of contempt, irreverent words against Jehovah. That's who they were talking against. Here's my point on all this. What has taken place is what Paul said would happen in 41 happened. Verse 41, one more time. And the Jews were gone out of the synagogue. Sorry, verse 41. Behold, ye despisers and wonder and perish. For I speak a work in your days, which ye shall in no wise believe. They had heard what was being said, and they were rejecting it. They had heard and rejected. So Paul tells them, I love what Paul says in verse 46 and 47. God has sent me to the Gentiles. I've presented it to you. I'm going to go to them. What is Paul doing? Paul is simply saying, I'm going to obey the word of the Lord. Whether you believe it or not, I'm going to obey the word of the Lord. That's what Paul says he's going to do. So Paul steps out and he begins to obey the word of the Lord. So in this first group, we are, we're mentioned to, this right away, we're mentioned to and introduced to some envy-filled people. We've, we've looked at how the envious people, they, they're lifted up in the pride and they're lifted up in the envy, and they respond contrary to what God's word says. And then we're introduced to another group of people here, and I love this other group of people, verse number 48, the spirit-filled people. The spirit-filled people, they were glad. Look at verse, uh, verse number 48. And when the Gentiles heard, you're like, well, they're not spirit-filled. We'll just wait. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. 
What did they hear? Someone's coming to preach to them. If you hear that someone's coming to preach to you, are you always glad? <laughs> Just being honest. Aren't we always glad? If we hear somebody has the word of the God, word of the Lord to share with us, we should be rejoicing. We should be glad. They were glad when they heard the preaching was coming to them. They were glad whenever they heard that the preaching was going to be preached to them. Not only were they glad, the next thing it says is they glorified the word of the Lord. That's what it says happens next. And they were glad and they glorified the word of the Lord. What does that mean? They listened to it. Yeah. Oh, this is good. I need this. Oh, this is good stuff. They listened to it. They read it on their own. Not only did they read it, not only did they listen to it, they obeyed it. It does absolutely no good to acknowledge what is there and to not follow and obey it. On the way here, I about got run over by the Baileys. I'm cruising on the highway and I'm going the speed limit and all of a sudden I see this little red car trying to run over my truck. It's like, I'm going, whoa! Evidently somebody didn't see the speed limit sign. It doesn't do any good to see it and to know it if we're not going to follow and obey it. If you're not going to trust it. I'm just kidding. I was moseying because I'm a mosier. I was probably going five or ten under because I was moseying. I was spending time with the Lord instead of being in a hurry. Just... <laughs> anyway. But you get my point here. To hear the word of the Lord and to take the word of the Lord, and we read it, and we study it, and we put the verses up in our house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we talk about it with our kids, and then we, we talk about how important it is to be holy, to be separate, to follow and to love the Lord. We talk about how important it is to tell other people about Jesus Christ who loved them and died for their sins. But so often we talk about how great it is. We can talk about things but not do anything with it. We need to be living it out in our life. We need to be following it. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord while watching a movie with my kids that I have no part in watching as a child of God. That's not in the notes. It's free. They obeyed it. They glorified the word of the Lord. The word of God was a priority in their lives. It was important. Their daily time in the word of God was a priority in their life. It was important enough to get up in the morning and to read their Bible if that's what they needed to do. That's my point here. Do you glorify God in your life? Do you glorify his word? I love what happens next. And as, um, as many as were ordained to eternal life believed, like, well, that's a scary phrase. But no, it's not a scary phrase. It's those that wanted to get saved got saved. People begin to call upon the Lord. I love what happens in the very next verse. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Does it say here that Paul and Barnabas left the area and left Antioch and went to other parts of the region? No, they don't go anywhere. They leave later on in the chapter. Later on in this chapter. You know who is doing the publishing? The people who love the word of God, the people who had been saved, the people who followed her. I love Brother Andrew. He's my brother-in-law. I love him because I've had the opportunity to serve and minister alongside of him. I have known him for almost half of my life. Not quite. I love Brother Andrew. I love Brother Jim. Brother Jim's been called into evangelism. He goes out and he preaches. He's even come and been an encouragement to our church there in northern Minnesota. What a blessing. What an encouragement. 
But did you know that the responsibility of taking the gospel to the city of St. Joseph, that responsibility doesn't rest on the shoulders of an evangelist sent out of Riverside Baptist Church? He does have a responsibility to it, but the entire responsibility is not his. Do you realize that the responsibility is not even Brother Andrews here is on staff? It's not even Pastor Marshall's. It's us who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. That means it's your responsibility. And they published it everywhere. They told everyone, oh, that's good stuff. They were spirit-filled people. Oh, this is good stuff. As God was doing a great work, the Jews wanted to stop the great work. i got to hurry here. He, he was doing a great work. The Jews wanted to stop the great work. Remember, if it was just about him saying stuff that they didn't like in the synagogue, it would have been over the moment that he left the synagogue. But envious people desire other people to be envious as well. Misery loves company. So what did they do? (laughs) They stirred up the devout, verse 50, and honorable women and the chief men of the cities. You know what they did? Connor, this is what they did. They went to the devout and honorable women. You're not a devout and honorable woman. I'll come back to Connor in a second. <laughs> Jaden. Miss Jaden. It is so, you're getting so tall. Anyway, it comes up, comes up to the devout and honorable woman. Devout means they were religious. Honorable means they were noble. They had positions of leadership. They were people that were, that were um, their husbands were in high-ranking positions. You're like, well, their husbands, why couldn't it be the ladies? It's Roman culture. I'm not going to explain all of that other than just to say, They were noble women. And they went to them and said, you know this message that Paul is preaching? This message that Paul is preaching and as he's standing there talking about, if people believe him, they're not going to come to the synagogue anymore. They're not going to go to the temples. They're not going to buy silver to mill their idols anymore. And our whole city is going to collapse. If people believe in this one true God, they're not going to have to try to earn, work, or buy their forgiveness. They didn't understand that it's the love of God that constrains people to follow and to serve the Lord, not the works to try to earn salvation. So they're trying to, if this happens, our whole city is going to fall into chaos and everybody's going to do whatever they want to. Wouldn't that be horrible? Now, don't share this with anybody. It's a prayer request. (laughs) And the honorable woman went home. Honey, sweetie, bye. Our city's in a wreck. It's about to be destroyed. There are guys that are preaching that people don't have to go to the idols anymore. They don't have to do dead works for righteousness' sake. And they're out there and they're making to our economy is going to collapse. And then the senators in Rome, they're going to hear about it. And then they're going to come and remove you from your chief position. And I won't get to be a noble wife. And they cried. And they threw a fit. And they begin to tell their wives, oh, this is, the wives begin to say, this is so awful and bad and it's going to happen. And then you know what's going to happen. The senators will remove you from your seat and then we won't be able to buy the meat offered to idols anymore. We'll have to eat beets. You know how bad I hate beets? My mom said, you're going to do nothing but make us eat beets and make us work in a beet field. My mom was right. I never should have married. Oh, it's me. Well, that never happens in a home and in a family. They stirred up the women 
And the women stirred up the chief men. They got them riled up. And the conversation probably didn't stop with the chief men. It started with the other chief and noble women and other noble women and chief men. And what was driving this whole thing? Pride and envy. That's what was driving it. Not a desire to know the word of God. But what did the men of God do? Oh, verse 50, they expelled them out of their coast. It was the result of this persecution. They shook the dust off their feet against them, and they came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy with the Holy Ghost. How did the spirit-filled people respond? They shook the dust off their feet. What did they do? They said, we have done everything that God commanded us to do. We have prayed. We have helped. We have taught them all the word of God that they would allow us to teach. And now we're going to move on with joy. They said, we have done everything that God has told us to do. Now you are responsible for your response. We still believe in individual soul liberty, don't we? We do believe that whenever somebody hears the word of God, they're responsible for their actions and for their response. Your pastor, well, your pastor and pastors, we're not here to control and to run your life. We're here to show you the word of God so that you have to respond to the word of God. Like, well, he's picking on me. I'll just throw it out there. Your pastor doesn't wield the, the sword of Bill Marshall. He wields the sword of the Spirit. So if the sword of the Spirit is cutting you, it's not preacher that's wielding that sword. It's the Holy Spirit. The situation didn't stop their joy. They were rejoicing over what God had done in their lives and the lives of the Gentiles. This is awesome. They were filled with joy. Well, they were just ran out of town. They were filled with joy. Because the joy of a spirit-filled person is not contingent or based upon or relying upon the envious person and their attitude. It's relying upon the relationship and walk with the Lord. Oh, that's good. They continued to walk with God. What does that mean? They continued in the word of God. They continued to follow the Lord God. They began to read his word. They continued to try to tell other people about what was going on. They moved on. That's what they did. My point for this is very, very simple. As a Christian, we have opportunities to respond in pride and arrogancy and bucking up against the word of God. And we have the opportunity to be filled with the spirit of God. You know, well, what about that third option where I really just have questions? Go and humbly ask your pastor the answer to the questions. Yeah. If my kids, when I tell my son to go clear the snow off the deck, do we have this conversation about three to four times a week? Go clear the snow off the deck so the dog will go outside. Our dog's legs are that long. And yeah, go clear snow off the deck. And... uh, the answer is, if it's, um, Dad, it only has like a half inch of snow, um, do I need to clear it now? Or I saw earlier that uh, it's supposed to snow a little bit later tonight. Can I go ahead and just do that a little bit later? That is going to be a conversation where I look at my 13-year-old son and I say, Bud, I said, yeah, let's wait a little bit and see what it does. Just clear to the stairs of the deck so the dog can get down. Yes, sir. But if he looks at me and he says, why do I have to clear the stairs? Me and him are going to have a completely different conversation. 
if there's something in the Word of God or something that your preacher says that you don't understand, more than likely, it's a not hearing something exactly correctly, or it's um, well, not hearing something absolutely correctly, or you can chalk it up to the fact that your pastor preaches four times a week and says over 2,000 words in each one of those sermons. You can give him a little grace and come humbly and just say, hey, um, preacher, I love you. I just wanted to find out, you said this, and I just wanted to understand exactly what, we're talking, what, I'm, what you're talking about here so I can help understand it. You know what your pastor's going to do? Praise the Lord, let me show you my Bible. Let me show you what God's Word says. That's what he's going to, like, do you know my pastor? Absolutely, I know your pastor will do that because he's done it for me multiple times. That's it. But whenever we get envious and proud and lifted up and arrogant, oh, can I just say, that's the wrong kind of spirit to have. So my question is this. Are you spirit-filled or are you envy-filled? The second question is this. Maybe you're here and you don't know. My Lord Jesus Christ is a Savior. And He loves you. <laughs> He's always loved you. He cares about you. You can know Him today. Paul's message remains applicable and relevant today. The Messiah came through Israel because of man's sin. That Messiah died for our sins according to the Scripture. He was buried. He rose again the third day. Even now, you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today and receive forgiveness of sins. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Why are you so excited about that? Because I know where I would be without it. Clearly, in this text, we see two different groups of people. Those that are proud and those who are envious. Those that contended with everything Paul said because they didn't like Paul. They contradicted and blasphemed the Scriptures, even though they knew the Scriptures. They rejected the Word of God and judged themselves guilty before God. They led others away from the truth of God's Word out of their pride. Let me just ask, do you think these people had joy? Do you think the Jews in this account had joy? Even whenever they left, do you think there was real joy? Probably not. The people that were run out of town and persecuted, they had joy because their joy was based on their being filled with the Spirit. Spirit-filled person gladly preach, they gladly listen to, they gladly defend the Word of God. They seek to know and to hear and to understand it. They publish it. They gladly publish the Word. They glorify it. They gladly walk with God. That kind of person is filled with joy. What are you filled with this morning? If it's not joy, you can be filled with joy today. Maybe it's not joy because you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can know Him today. Maybe it's not joy because you got a burr under your saddle. Humbly ask, is it because this burr is under my saddle? <laughs> or is it because I'm letting pride get in my life and be in a place it's not supposed to be? And I'm, I want to do, put a little caveat on here. This is a message that God laid on my heart to preach. I have no idea of anything going on. As far as I know, everything in Riverside Baptist Church is great and everyone here follows the Lord and is, wants to live that life of a joy-filled, Holy Spirit-led Christian. But I know that even the most joy-filled people sometimes can struggle with a little bit of pride. Let's humbly take care of that if we need to. I'm going to ask you to stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. As you're standing, 
I just want to ask you this question. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't know for sure if you died today that heaven was your home. <laughs> Jesus did everything. He, he did all of the work so that you could be saved today. Um, if you don't know him and you'd like to know him today, we have some men that are down here and they will take God's word. Remember, remember I said it's not about our opinion or our ideas. It's about the word of God. They will take God's word and show you how you can know for sure that heaven is your home. Christian, if you're here today, I just simply ask, what are you filled with? Maybe today you want to thank God and say, God, thank you for filling me with your spirit. God's word, rejected or believed, will fill us with something. We can respond in belief and obedience, giving us a joy-filled, spirit-led lives, hungering for more of God's word and desiring to know him. Or we're free to be filled with pride and envy and self-reliance, where we're going to attempt to turn others from the truth, whether by our words or our actions. Let's desire to live spirit-filled lives. Lord, I'm so thankful for all you've done. Thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that uh, if you're speaking and you're speaking to hearts, that you'll help us to respond back to you. Lord, I do love you. Thank you for loving me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Right now, as... Um, the music is being played. If God's worked on your heart and he's spoke to you about something, respond back to him.